Thank you for joining us for Working Through the Word, a ministry of the Richmond Church of Christ. Let's join our pulpit minister, Mike Johnson, as he brings today's lesson. I never was any good at physics, but I absolutely believe in the laws of physics. I don't understand how they work. I can't tell you anything that makes sense to me about a whole lot of stuff. I don't understand how gravity can be gravity, but it works. And I don't understand so many things, but I can accept them. So when people tell me, well, 2D means it's a flat surface or a square on a flat surface, and 3D is a cube riding off the top of the flat surface, and then there's the theoretical idea of 4D, they say, that someone researches a theory that says the 3D cube and you add time to it. I don't understand that. But I get this. I know what 3D life is. And I know that the reality is a 4D life, spiritually speaking. For a few minutes this morning, go with me to this concept. If I were to ask you today, what are the concepts, the ideas, the doctrines that divide churches? Particularly, what are the things that identify those of us who are part of churches of Christ? What kinds of things would you say? And immediately there would be some that would jump to the fore. One of the topics that both unites and divides religious groups is the topic of baptism. We might think that very few churches, religious groups, uh, teach anything about baptism. Not true. Most every group has some form of what they would call and understand as baptism. And in that way, it unites religious groups. That makes sense to me because the Bible is so clear, discusses baptism so many times, it makes sense to me that churches would say, oh, that's something we need to have. But it's also a topic that divides because not everybody understands baptism the same way. Not everybody believes that baptism is an immersion. Some sprinkle water, some pour water. Some avoid water and only talk about a baptism of the Holy Spirit. Baptism is not taught the same in a continuum. There are some groups that say, once you have been saved by Jesus, then you are baptized to show everybody what you've done. Others say, because children are born into this world guilty with the sin of the generations previous, 
that those babies need to be baptized because they are lost. There are those who teach that there are people who have died having never been baptized. And so we can go and baptize ourselves for them. But then we understand that baptism is a place that leads to somewhere. That's our theme today, baptism. Two thoughts. I want to understand from this text what it is. And then tonight, told some earlier, the men that met on Thursday, I don't know that I've looked forward to a sermon any more in my life than the one tonight. Many times I've had people to say, we need to be taught how to teach the gospel to people. How can we help them understand? Well, tonight, I want to give you a brand new concept and a really easy and cool way to teach it. But it's all around the idea of what baptism is. I want you to leave your Bibles open to the Romans 6 passage. And I want you to notice with me, first of all, baptism in 3D. I want you to notice with me, this is not just a flat topic that is lying on a page, but it, like a cube, is jumping off the page into our faces to teach us three important lessons. Number one... Baptism is for the dead. Now, obviously, having said that there are some groups that baptize people for people who have already passed from this life, I don't believe that's biblical teaching. So my point here is not that. But this text tells me that baptism is for the dead. Back up to the context that includes chapter 5 and verse 21. As sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Baptism is for the dead because every single person is dead in sin. Not a person. With the exception of Jesus Christ has come into this world without having sinned in that life and therefore under that penalty, a person who is outside of Jesus Christ is dead in sin. So baptism is for those who are dead in sin. Number two. Baptism is for those who have died 
to sin. Verse 1 of chapter 6 is an interesting verse. I want to make sure you get what's going on here. The teaching from chapter 5 closes with that phrase, grace reigns through righteousness into life. There is the concept that grace is such a good and wonderful gift from God. God graces us. In fact, the subject of the grace of God is a subject that has been so misunderstood as even to teach universalism. The grace of God is just going to save everybody regardless because God's grace. Is that what he's saying? One might teach as these people were. Well, let me see. The grace of God came because of sin in the world. Oh, I know what we need to do. If we want to have more grace from God, well, let's just sin more. Well, now somebody might get on board and cheer for that. Maybe in our human selves, every one of us would. You mean sin a whole bunch to get a whole bunch of grace? Is that what he's saying? Paul begins and says... Wait a minute. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. Certainly not. Why? If you have died to sin, how can you live anymore in it? So baptism is for those who have died to sin. When you die to sin, it doesn't mean you quit sinning. Actually, in, a, in our Bible study on Thursday night, heard a preacher say this to his audience. When I died to sin, I have not sinned in 11 years. Hmm. I don't know how to prove or disprove that except by the fact that every single person I've known including me hasn't gone 11 years without sinning maybe he's the exception but I doubt it but the idea is dying to sin doesn't mean you quit sinning it means you die to the love of sin you die to the desire of sin you die to what pulls you away from God yes we're going to stumble yes we're going to be rebellious yes we're going to have problems but we've died to the concept of sin in other words does anybody here want to say pardon me I want to be a sinner. You wouldn't be here if that was your hand raised. Therefore, it's not about the cessation of sin. It's dying to the concept of sin. And number three, baptism is for those who are going to die because of sin. 
in Romans 6 and verse 23, the wages of sin is death. We're all going to die. Death came to the world because sin is in the world. So baptism is for the dead. But number two, baptism is a door. Notice what he says in verse 3. Into Christ Jesus you were baptized. Into. It doesn't take a lot of intelligence to understand that if a person is baptized into Christ, then before and without baptism, you cannot be in Christ. So baptism is a door into Jesus. And regardless of what a person might have been taught or teach or understand, this is one of those ungetoverable points. If you want to be in Jesus, this text says, baptism is the door. But it also says, it's the door into his death. Wait a minute. What kind of death did he die? Well, he died a death, as we've already seen, magnificently portrayed, both in song and in word. He died for us. He died so that we might be saved. We are dying. We die in baptism. It's the door into the death that he died. And why did he die? For salvation. If a person wants to be a part of the death that Jesus died, he came to seek and to save that which was lost, Luke 19, 10 then the door opens into that death at the point of baptism. And then in verse 4, in to newness of life. Baptism is a door into a new life. Therefore, if anyone were to teach that we have Jesus to come into our hearts to give us a new heart and a new life prior to being baptized, then this verse can't be true. If this verse is true, then in baptism... We walk through a door into a new life. So if you don't want to raise your hand to say, I want to be a sinner. But if you would raise your hand to say, I have been a sinner, or I currently am a sinner. If you want to get out of that sin and find a new life where you are no longer called a sinner, 
you go through the door of baptism. It is for the dead. It is a door. And third, baptism is a design. A design. Two things in verse 5. We are united together. Baptism is God's design for uniting His people. In other words, baptism is the identifying mark that says, I am now united with God's people. And if someone teaches that it is an act that you do to tell everyone that you were united first would deny this passage. For baptism unites me with all of God's people and unites me with Jesus. His design, God's design, was for baptism to unite him with his people. But number two, it is also designed that we can be in his resurrection. Yes, by design, we are going through the door of his death. But it is a beautiful design. For one who is outside of Jesus Christ dies to sin as Jesus did on the cross, is buried in water as Jesus was buried in the tomb, and is raised a brand new person, just like Jesus, raised to a new life. Now the life where he had accomplished what God sent him to do, and now he was ready to ascend to the Father. It is by design that in baptism I am united with God and now able to be raised like Jesus was, I've been raised from water to a new life, but now I can also be raised like Jesus ascended to the Father one day to go to Him. I understand 3D. And I understand, I like the concept. How many of you, I wonder, can do that art thing where you can stare it at a 2D image long enough for the 3D image to pop out of the page. 3D art. Some people just get totally frustrated. They sit there for the longest time trying to figure that out and just can't see it. Takes me a little bit, but I can. I've figured out a way to do it for me. And I love seeing those images pop out. I understand 3D. Baptism in 3D, but that's not the final or the best news. The best news is that baptism 
in 3D offers the person a life in 4D. It's not just about the cube on this earth. It's about the cube and eternity. It is a life in 4D. Verse 6. Knowing this, that the old man was crucified with him, the body of sin may be done away, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. Baptism allows a life in 4D where you are released from the previous bondage. If you are a child of God, you know the bondage of mental anguish because you still sin. You're still tempted. We still have problems. And mentally, we get it. Those who are not in Christ need to come to the realization of the bondage that they are in. And baptism is the time when having done so, I am mentally released. It's over. No longer a slave of sin do I have to be. Number two is a 4D life of relief. He who has died has been freed from sin. Not only has the entanglement been removed, but I have been mentally removed. I can know relief. I can know not only the fact, but the understanding that God has forgiven me. It's gone. That's a life in 4D because now I get to be in eternity with God. But finally, look at verse 8. Now, if we die with Christ, we believe that we also shall live with Him. The 4D life is a life of reward. The reward is coming. Sure, there's a way to experience the reward here. Through the understanding of having been forgiven, the release from the shackles of sin, the connection united with God's people, a part of the new resurrected life, we can understand some reward here. But we certainly wait for the reward that is to come when finally our 3D alive life will be transported to a 4D existence that is no longer theoretical, but actual in the presence of God. If baptism 
has not been something you have chosen to do. I hope now you see the contrast between those who have not and those who have. And if you want to do it today, God bless you, we'll help you. But for those of us who have been immersed into Jesus Christ, I hope we can see the contrast. Here's where we were. Here's where we are. We shouldn't look at ourselves as being condemned. We should not be sad and sorrowful all of the time. But we should, ex- we should be excited. We should rejoice that we have been saved. And now we wait for the reward finally from God. We hope you enjoyed today's broadcast brought to you by the Richmond Church of Christ. We are located at 1500 Lancaster Road in Richmond, Kentucky. We meet on Sunday mornings for Bible class at 9 a.m., followed by our morning worship service held at 10 a.m. Our Sunday evening service is held at 6 p.m., and our midweek Bible study is held on Wednesday at 7 p.m. If you are in the area, we would love to have you as our honored guest. Thanks for listening.